Good morning, everyone. It's good to be with you this morning. In these trying times, let us open in prayer. Father in heaven, we're glad to be able to refer again to your word that it might remind us of those things which can strengthen us and help us to focus on that which is true and meaningful and powerful. Help us, Father, to to know those things which we need to know, to take in and appropriate those things that we need to appropriate. We thank you for your word. Most of all, we thank you for your son and for the gift of life and the love that we enjoy in him. In his name we pray, amen. My message this morning is entitled, The Soul That Is Fixed. The message has three ideas, and the idea of being fixed is actually the last one. And if you're thinking that perhaps it means repaired, uh, perhaps you can think that if you want to, but that is not my primary meaning. The Christian life is, um, has many different kinds of challenges. We need both discernment, and yet we must avoid being judgmental. We should not be primarily judgmental. Even the Lord Jesus himself, as we heard this morning from John 3:17 and 18, even the Lord Jesus himself came to bring the love of God, not the judgment of God. And so we too need to be people who have yet discernment without being judgmental. And in avoid being judgmental, we still need discernment. In an analogous way, I would say that we also need to balance our lives in terms of how much we look inward. It is good to be able to appreciate what we enjoy as Christians in our hearts. There is a holy looking inward. There is a godly introspection. And yet, we should avoid focusing on what is within ourselves and within our emotions and within our hearts to the exclusion of God's truth, because sometimes we can, I suppose, get in a rut and focus on emotions that creep into us that God would not have us focus on. So there is a balance there as well. Perhaps in these times of um, lockdown, there is more time and more tendency to look inward, but let us not simply be looking inward for the sake of looking inward and um, sort of navel-gazing and looking at ourselves. Let us look at what the Lord has done. Let us meditate in our hearts inwardly on what he has done and what we need to think about. My message today, this morning, is devotional in nature. You might call it a devotional meditation. I had been speaking on 1 Samuel, and there will be reference to 1 Samuel, but I thought that given the new lockdown and what the Lord has been putting on my heart over the past week, that I would change gears and think about things that perhaps will encourage the saints and build us up in these difficult times. On Thursday evening, a brother read a passage as well that um, rang in my head and caused me to think and do a little bit of research. It was in Luke 21. The Lord Jesus spoke in Luke 21, speaking of the the end of things makes you wonder about, you know, the end times and these difficult times. It does make people wonder and talk about the end times. It does. And brother read from Luke 21. And in the midst of all of that, 
um, tribulation, the Lord said, in patience possess ye your souls. What does that mean? And I researched it and, and uh, looked into it. And the sense of Tomai is to be in control of yourself. Be in control of yourself. The word soul is there. The word psyche is there. Be in control of yourself. Well, how to do that? We don't want to be, as Paul said, you don't want to be people who are just thrown back and forth like, like a float, like a ping pong ball out in the ocean by every wave of idea and doctrine. That would be very bad. Get control. You're responsible, in a sense, for managing your soul, especially in difficult times. But how to do that? How to do that? This morning, I want to share some redemptive thoughts and devotional ideas that pertain to exactly that. And the beauty, I think, of these three ideas is that you have in the Old Testament the presentation of these things and in the New Testament the realization of these things at an entirely higher plane and higher level. The first thought here is deliverance. The next two things you, you, you can't enter into. You can't know them. You can't appreciate them without having that deliverance and knowing about the fact that your soul has been delivered. The man, Robert Robinson, an, a British Baptist, a so-called nonconformist in those days, was saved at the age of 20 in 1755 as a result of hearing a message by the wonderful preacher George Whitfield. And what grabbed him, Whitfield was speaking on Matthew 3, 7. Matthew 3, 7. It says, flee the wrath to come, the Lord says. Flee to the wrath to come. And this, this thought stuck with Robinson for some time. And finally, at the age of 20, he was saved and went on to be taught by Wesley in London and to preach from various pulpits. He was a man in his life, if you look at his life, in some ways he was pulled here and there, these different pulls in his life from different directions after he came to the Lord, after he came to the Lord, um, presented challenges to his life. And so he wrote, here I raise my Ebenezer, here by thy great help I have come. In October, late October, I was speaking on 1 Samuel 7 and how this Ebenezer, God has been my help thus far. God has brought me this far. That's a good, good thing to remember. And I hope by thy good pleasure, safely to arrive at home, Jesus sought me when a stranger, wandering from the fold of God, he to rescue me from danger, interposed his precious blood. This rescuing, this deliverance is the basis, it's the starting point for Christian progress. I want to share two verses from the Psalms. The first is from Psalm 56, which is from, in connection with, the latter part of 1 Samuel, 
David is on the run from a man who would kill him, and he goes to a place called Gath, and he is, he is reduced to great humiliation. He is greatly humiliated. He is greatly reduced. And he writes this, For thou hast delivered my soul from death, Wilt not thou deliver my feet from falling, that I may walk before God in the light of the living? The Lord is our deliverer. That is the thing that we can remember when we look inwards, is that our souls have been delivered from death by God, as it says in Psalm 56, 13. That is the starting point. That is the beginning I hope you know what that means. I hope you know what it means to say that my soul, my essential being, has been delivered from death by God himself. That is the beginning. That is the starting point of being able to have Christian experience. He writes in Psalm 69 later, Deliver me out of the mire and let me not sink. Let me be delivered from them that hate me and out of the deep waters. These two verses make reference to metaphors or experiences that that to David were not metaphors. They were not Um, some kind of metaphysical experiences. He was in real danger. He was really stuck. He was in serious trouble. He had problems with people around him, hating him, and one man in particular, Saul, the king of the country, wanting to kill him. But when he looked around, when he looked around and he considered his situation... What he comforted himself with is the deliverance of God. And for the Christian, that salvation, that deliverance is essential. It comes before the next two ideas in my message this morning. You must be delivered first. How does the New Testament talk about this deliverance? I love the way that the New Testament talks about this deliverance. He has rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have forgiveness. If we think about that, that wonderful thought of deliverance that is what our souls enjoy, where our souls are, we should remember, as was also read this morning from John 3.17, that the default position, the default position is of being under the judgment of God. The default position outside of Christ is that you have no standing with God, that you abide under judgment. That is the place where you would be had it not been for God's deliverance. So it's not a, a question of being transferred from... a. a a difficult or a dubious or a a tenuous place to an infinitely better place. It is the reality of having no place 
no standing and defaulting to the judgment of God. That is your default condition outside of Christ. Think of that when you think of your salvation. Think of the fact that God has taken you out of a place of no standing with him, of no status with him, and falling under the the judgment that will fall upon all of those who are outside of Christ. That is your default position. You have been taken out of that, that place of no standing, as it were, into the kingdom. I love the way that word is put. He has transferred us. It seems so sure. It seems so definite. It seems so real. It is as though we are already there. And as far as God is concerned, you are there. Your soul is there. You are with the Son in his kingdom as far as God is concerned about your soul. So when you look inward, remember your deliverance, that you have been delivered from sin and death. If you are saved and you enjoy that deliverance, and that deliverance is a reality to you, we then have the idea of casting. The soul that knows how to cast. It's very important. These words are written in Psalm 55. Cast thy burden upon the Lord, and he shall sustain thee. He shall never suffer the righteous to be moved. Cast thy burden upon the Lord, and he shall sustain thee. Do you have burdens? Do you have things that are weighing you down? When you look inward, you feel weighed down. Your Bible has instructions as to what to do. Your Bible tells you to take those things that you are burdened with and to give them to the Lord, to put them over onto the Lord. My younger brother, Peter, who now lives in Edmonton, has lived there for many years. He was saved as a result of the ministry of Boyd Nicholson over at um, Fairview Bible Chapel over in Fairview. And um, he had a hard time at the beginning of his Christian life. And I remember that one of the things he said to me, it stuck with me. He said, some of the best times I have ever... uh, had in prayer with the Lord were times of prayer and times of communion with the Lord that started like this. Lord, I don't feel like talking to you. How's that to start a prayer? It's a start. I encourage you to do that. If you look within and you find yourself burdened and you feel, I just just don't know what to do with it. I don't feel like talking to the Lord about it. Talk to the Lord about it. Bring the burden to the Lord, especially because you don't feel like talking to him. That is exactly 
the time that you need to talk to the Lord is when you are so burdened that you don't feel like it. We need to learn this. Perhaps it goes against much of our flesh, but we need to learn to cast our burden upon the Lord. It's as though the Apostle Peter knew that verse from Psalm 55. He says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Casting. We need to learn to do that. We need to learn to cast our cares upon him. He can take them up on his shoulders. He can bear them for us. It's interesting, isn't it, that Peter begins that, <clears throat> that little section there with humble yourselves. Why, why are you not bringing these things to the Lord? Are you too proud? Are you too proud? Do you think that you're supposed to be some kind of grand and great Christian and you don't understand why you're, why you're feeling so burdened and so down? Say, I just, I, don't, I just can't bring that stuff to the Lord. What kind of a Christian am I? Well, you're a very typical Christian. I would say you're an ordinary human being. You're a human. You have burdens. And sometimes even mature Christians who've known the Lord for decades feel heavy and feel burdened. And they need to humble themselves. We need to humble ourselves and leave the exaltation to him and to cast all our cares upon him. That is what we need to do. My third thought this morning pertains to the title. Psalm 57, Psalm 108, Psalm 112. When we look inward, we can do a couple of things. We can observe and we can exercise our will. What did the psalmist observe when he looked within? He looked at his own heart and he said, I'm noticing something. We need to all notice this because it's true. It's true. It's true of your salvation. It's true of your relationship to God. It's true of what he has done for you and what he's doing for you every moment. My heart is fixed, O God. My heart is fixed. I will sing and give praise. Psalm 108. O God, my heart is fixed. I will sing and give praise even with my glory. Psalm 112. He shall not be afraid of evil tidings, The heart of the man of God is fixed. His heart is fixed, trusting in the Lord. You can't have this fixity that the psalmist writes about without deliverance. You can't have it unless you've learned to cast your cares upon the Lord. What happens when we we don't cast our cares upon the Lord. We we lose our focus. The Apostle Paul himself wrote that 
we, it's as though we are looking through a glass darkly. And while we walk on this earth, there's no escaping that. We don't, we can't see spiritual reality with crystal clarity while we are here. It is as though we do look through a glass darkly. When we allow the burdens of our lives to obscure the deliverance of the cross, we lose sight of the cross. That's what happens. Our burdens make the cross less clear in our spiritual sight. We need to remember that we are delivered. We need to see the cross clearly to get the burdens out of the way in our spiritual eyesight. And then we will be in a position of realizing just how fixed our heart is in the Lord and what a great work he has done in fixing our hearts in trusting in him. That's the kind of fixity that we need. As Robinson wrote, Come thou fount of every blessing, tune my heart to sing thy grace. Streams of mercy never ceasing, call for songs of loudest praise. Teach me some melodious sonnet sung by flaming tongues above. Praise the mount, I'm fixed, I'm fixed upon it. Mount of thy redeeming love. For Robinson, God's love is like a mountain. <laughs> you can't miss it. What's on top of that mount called Golgotha? Three crosses. That is where our spiritual eyesight needs to be. Upon the cross. Upon the deliverance that we have in Christ because of the cross and the shed blood. And we can say that our heart is fixed upon it, like Robinson wrote. I shared this same verse at the end of, near the end of October. The word fixation, you know, if you have a fixation, that, does, that actually doesn't sound very good, you know. He has, he's fixated on something. That doesn't sound very good. Well, the, the, the Christian, there is a, there's a good kind of fixation. There's a New Testament kind of fixation, and that's to be fixed on the cross, to see it clearly, to cast our burdens upon the Lord so that we have clear spiritual eyesight to see what he has done for us at the cross. And then we can write, as Paul encouraged the Corinthians, he may read this morning from Philippians 4, first verse, stand fast, stand fast. End of Corinthians, be steadfast. It says, therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. And so when we, we look and we think about a heart that's fixed on the Lord, there is a reality there, the objective reality of having been delivered. 
Hopefully we can see that objective reality because our burdens have been cast upon the Lord. And then we will realize that we are fixed, that our heart is fixed. Our heart is fixed in him. That's almost, a, you might say, an observation. And yet, we see here that we have a responsibility. We have a responsibility to be steadfast, to be unmovable. Well, that's a whole lot easier if you understand that your heart is redeemed, that your burdens are over onto the Lord. And then the fact that your heart is fixed, as David wrote over and over and over, becomes something that you say, yes, Lord, I can be steadfast in you. I will be steadfast. It's interesting how these three words that I've shared with you this morning delivered and cast and fixed. The book in your Bible that has more instances of those three words than any other book is the book of Psalms where we have a man who has a life full of many, many different experiences, exaltation, humiliation, deprivation, many, many different experiences. And yet, this is the same man who says, the Lord is my deliverer. It is the Lord upon whom I cast my burdens. And it is the Lord upon whom my heart is fixed. So I would encourage everyone as we move forward in these difficult times to, in looking inward, to look inward in the right way and to realize the things, the spiritual truths, the New Testament uh, truths that strengthen you and help you in your salvation and in your walk with the Lord. Indeed, aren't we debtors? That hymn says, oh, to grace, how great a debtor. Daily, I'm constrained to be. This is a daily process. Let thy goodness like a fetter bind my wandering heart to thee. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave. Prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart. Here's my heart. Oh, take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. If you know the Lord, your heart belongs to the Lord. If you know the Lord, deliverance is something that you enjoy. If you know the Lord, being able to cast your burdens upon him is something you indeed need to do every day. And if you know the Lord, your heart is fixed in the Lord and it is sealed. Read the book of Ephesians on how the Spirit has sealed you and made you God's possession. Do you know of these things? Are these things foreign to you? As you listen to me this morning and you think about your own condition, can you relate? to these things? Do you know what it is to enjoy that condition, that certainty of deliverance, 
Do you know what it is to be able to cast your burdens upon the Lord? Do you know what it is to have your heart fixed on the Lord? If you don't, I want to read two verses to you from Romans 10. How to become a Christian. The book of Romans has much to say on this. But I'll just read two verses to you from Romans chapter 10. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thy heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. If you need to come to know the Lord, if you need to be delivered if you need to be saved, repent. Repent like the prodigal son and turn to the father. You may well have made a shambles of your life and disrespected God. Many, many people have done exactly the same thing. But God is a God of love and like that father in Luke 15, he's looking down the road, hoping to see you. Cast yourself into the arms of God. Turn for deliverance to Christ who shed his blood for you on the cross and who rose from the dead and be saved. Shall we pray? Father, we thank you that we can know that in our hearts you have delivered us. Those who know what it is to be saved, to be washed by the, by the blood of Christ, that shed blood, help us, Father, to rejoice, to have certainty about our own salvation as we consider its greatness and the greatness of your love. Help us not to allow the burdens of life and the depressing things of life to obscure the cross. Help us to have hearts that are fixed on you. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for your attention.